Hi Sheddies, Eddie Stevens here. I'm in my shed, would you fucking believe it? Uh, on a Tuesday, and it's 10.40am my time, okay? Um, and this is my second attempt at a podcast, because the Rugby Pod Gods chose to take my uh, my first attempt. I don't know the, I don't know what happened. I had recorded a podcast. Wasn't quite finished with it, actually. And uh, when I came back to my laptop, uh, my laptop had shut down. And then when I logged back into to find my draft of the podcast, it was gone. And you know, I don't get upset about it anymore. I don't get upset about anything like that. So, it, um, the old Eddie, which bizarrely is actually a younger Eddie, um, the old Eddie would have been enraged by this theft of my hard work and effort and would have gone crazy and would have torn um, torn his pubes out in rage or something like that, you know. But now I just stay chill. I stay cool. I've learned that everything turns to shite, not just what I touch, but just life. Everything will eventually turn to shite and sometimes rapidly. And that is how I approached the England game. Okay. That was the exact philosophical outlook that I had is that this will end badly, but more on that later. Okay. Just relax. Um, I did a, a comedy show over the weekend, hosted a comedy show, packed house. It went really well. However, at one point I did a bit uh, about vasectomies and it's a very popular bit that I've done many times before and, and has always done well but for some reason this crowd because they're stupid uh couldn't weren't getting it weren't into it and uh so I stopped it I s- switched to something else that they would enjoy more um and it was only after the show I realized that I had ironically aborted a bit about vasectomies now that's not that funny but I thought I'd mention it to you all right um I could have bought this if I wanted to. I could stop this. I could end this at any time. And by this, I mean the podcast, not my life. Um, what are we going to talk about? Well, I'll tell you what. Let's talk. Let's start this podcast by talking about how, in a bizarre, unusual twist, I have become beloved by Springboks fans. Now, what the fuck am I talking about? Let's find out, shall we? It's Rugby Round to Banter, episode 195. Let's go. Okay, let's get right into it, shall we? I don't know how many people really want to talk about that loss in the World Cup semi-final, that England loss, because rugby podcasts that I love, that I look forward to listening to every single week, I was hesitant to listen to, to be honest with you, because it's hard, isn't it? It's hard going, that was a hard loss to take. Now, here's the thing, easy for me to take at the time, and this is why. And I hinted at this earlier. I sat down, as you did, I assume, to watch the match. Now, on previous podcasts on Rugby Rant Banter, um, and pretty much consistently for months, 
I have been of the opinion that England would have no chance if we make it to a semi-final. We were going up against Fiji and I was like, there's no guarantees we can even beat this Fiji team who aren't great, but they're good. Um, and then I thought we're either going to play South Africa or France. Is that right? I think that's right. What chance do we have the way that we've been playing under Steve Borthwick? Almost zero. At one point, I felt like it was a 0% chance. So I was like, I have no expectations other than the expectation that we will be exited, aborted, shit out by this uh, tournament, you know? But something happened, didn't it? And And I know that I'm not the only one who felt this way. Something happened... Um, in that week between the, the, the win over Fiji, which wasn't a particularly inspiring victory, right? And the, and the match against South Africa, where for some reason we started feeling a little bit of hope. And I don't know what it was. I don't know what it was. But I found myself looking at this England squad and going, you know what? We've been playing like crap, but... If these players, look at the players we have. If these players play to the level that we know they are capable of, because I don't really buy the idea that the Premiership is suddenly shit and that suddenly we can't compete in Europe and all that and that England England rugby is fucked. If these players can compete at the level we know they can, if they can put in performances that we know they're capable of, you know, players like Jamie George, Maro Itoji, Courtney Laws, uh, Ben Earl, um... Owen Farrell, um, even sort of in a weird way, Manu Tuolangi. Um, I could keep naming them, right? Freddie Stewart. If they can play to the level we know they're capable of, and if there is a unified sense of let's fucking show these cunts, and by these cunts, I mean everyone, including me, right, who has criticized them, let's show these cunts sitting in their sheds laughing at us that we are the real deal let's show them what we're really capable of if they can get that mindset and they can put in a performance that we know that they can they have a chance that's what i started thinking um and i think that's i think that england one of the hardest things about being an england team um not that one person could be an england team you know what i mean one of the hardest things about um about playing for england just how it appears to me from the outside is that we always get put on this pedestal. I don't know if that's the right word, to be honest with you, but we always get viewed at, viewed upon as the big, arrogant English with all the money and all the stars. But, you know, whoever we're playing, whether it's a Celtic nation, whether it's New Zealand, whether it's South Africa, whether it's Australia, it's like, we're going to show them. And, it's hard, I think, for England players, especially with the with the fucking ridiculous um, what's the word um, climate, political climate that we have in England right now. It's hard to have a real sense of, to be honest, patriotism. Like, so they have to kind of do it for each other, don't they? And sometimes it's just a lot of pressure for England and it's like they're almost on a on a in a in a in a in a winless situation where it's like no matter what they do I mean we've seen it even when they do win it's like well the performance wasn't good enough 
but you sort of felt like going into this semi-final, we were at such a low point in terms of uh, expectations that it felt like a good environment for England to pull something out of the out of the bag. And they fucking did. Now, having said that, I am still, you know, sitting down to watch this match with the feeling, with, 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 the, with the absolute belief that we will lose. That at best, we can put in a performance that is something we can be proud of and not something to be ridiculed and humiliated for. You know, there's a chance that we'll get absolutely spanked and lose by 30 points. But you got this feeling that maybe we could compete. Maybe, maybe, maybe. And um, as the game went on, it was just an incredible performance by England. Absolutely incredible. And it seems kind of weird to be, you know, celebrating an amazing England performance when we did lose. But we lost in the most painful, awful way possible, didn't we? Now, luckily, because I knew we would lose, it didn't matter how big of a lead we got. It didn't matter how much better we were playing than them, which we were. It didn't matter how um, shaky they looked, how um, how nervous they looked, how rattled they looked, because they were rattled. They looked scared. They looked like they... It, they had a, the expressions on the South African faces about you know, well into the beginning of the second half was, we're going to lose this. But, and here's, and I have a very big but, right? It's massive. Um, I had the calmness during this entire match of uh, Hannibal Lecter. I sat there emotionless. Um, and when England were playing, would do something well. I think one point in the game, I accidentally went, Yes! And I slapped myself and said, what are you doing? Stop it. And when South Africa scored that first try, I didn't get upset. I didn't go, oh, no, it's falling apart. I took out my notebook and I wrote down. What did I write down? I'm just trying to find it. Uh, I want to find it. Yeah, I think it was the 68th minute. I went, I wrote, ugh, Billy back on Mrs. Simple Tackle. We deserve to lose this due to Borthwick's selection of Billy Vunapola. Now, sort of to wrap up my whole... That, that was my attitude during the whole match. I sat there, I made notes. Note, you know, Some of them are good, some of them are bad in terms of how England were performing. But as the match ended, I was calm. Completely calm. Because I, no matter what happened, I knew that life would never allow... It's a very selfish, egotistical, egocentric view that I have of the world. I believe that the gods, the god, whatever you want to call it, the universe, its primary objective is to make me personally, Eddie Stevens, miserable. And if you're English, I'm sorry, you got caught in the crosshairs. And that's what happened. I knew it would end that way. But let me just get back. Let, let, let's. Good God, I'm all over the place, aren't I? Before I start assessing the England performance itself and talking about, um, you know, Billy Vunapola, his the the continual selection of Billy Vunapola in this England squad, and before assessing not just the players but the but the but the coaching, you know, Steve Borthwick, what has gone wrong, what has gone right, how do I feel about him? Before I get into that, I just want to say, I think I hinted at this in the intro, 
that I am now beloved by Springbok fans. That is because I decided, you know, I've got my uh, Rugby Ranta Banter YouTube channel. Please subscribe to that, Rugby Ranta Banter on YouTube. I've got some great videos on there. I'm doing a video a week, minimum. And I thought it would be a fun exercise to, um, I should have live streamed it really, but I didn't have time to figure out how. I made a, a video of England losing in real time and just talking about how I felt. And the thing is this, it's slightly embarrassing, but I almost got like a I, something that could only be described as um, Stockholm Syndrome-esque, where as the inevitable South African comeback occurred and they were able to somehow drag a defeat, sorry, drag a victory out of the jaws of defeat. I just talked about how I was almost pleased. It's it's great. I, I, I want to kick myself in the balls for saying it. I just don't have the flexibility to do that. That I was almost happy with the way it ended because, and this sort of summarizes what the video was, is that South Africa, you can say what you like about their fucking stupid piece of shit prick of a coach. And you can say what you like about their, about that coach's dumb as fuck little acolytes, minions, the Razzie clan. Um, and you can say what you could, what you like about how absolutely, um, terrible they would have been if they'd lost. But the reality about their team, the team itself is this, you can only take your hat off and applaud them because one way or another, they know how to win. They just win. They find a way. Now, in this case, they decided, you know what? Let's make every single scrum a penalty to us. And we can argue about how they did that. You know, we can argue about whether the refereeing decisions were wrong or not. But as I told the rugby brethren, complaining about marginal refereeing decisions is what South African fans do. Yeah. I'm not going to do that. Bottom line is this. They found a way to win. And it's incredible. And the thing that takes the sting out of this loss, because look, make no mistake, England should have won this game. They should have won this semi-final. England should be in the final against New Zealand. 100%. We completely outplayed South Africa. And, you know, it was two consecutive uh, World Cups, actually. This England team has lost to South Africa's scrum. Now, at the last World Cup, we freaked out. We hired their scrummaging coach. It didn't help. Nothing helped. But two consecutive World Cups, our scrum has been dismantled by the South African scrum with the same props, by the way, pretty much. Um, Joe Marler, Dan Cole, Kyle Sinclair, um, Ellis Genge. Pretty sure he was there too, wasn't he? Um against the same, uh, I think the same props. There's Vincent Koch was at the last World Cup. Um, Oxen, whatever the fuck his name was at the last World Cup. Um, uh, I'm, I'm forgetting their names now, but I think it was pretty much the same same front rows, right? We had Jamie George. I th I'm pretty sure they had um, um, Benambi or whatever his name is. I'm having a hard time with South African names right now. But anyway, devastating. What was my point? I've gotten sidetracked now. Anyway, I, I guess I was saying in this video I made where I was, it's almost a form of, 
I just needed to not lose, not lose my mind, partly because I had a show to do that night, you know, and I I knew that if I lost my mind, whether England won or lost, I couldn't use up all my endorphins because I was hosting this show. And when you host a comedy show, you have to make everyone, you have to have fun with the audience. You have to get them fired up. You have to be pumped. And if I've depleted all my endorphins from either celebrating or screaming at the TV in fury and wanting to destroy the world, I'm going to be spent. I'll have blown my wad. It would be like, this is a big packed house. It's like showing up at an orgy and I've just had a fucking crazy threesome and come my balls out. Right. And that's no good. Cause then I show up at the orgy, everybody there wants to fuck me and I got nothing. And they're looking at me and they're like, what's wrong with you? Why, what, what's this limp dick bullshit? And I'm like, I just, I can't do it this soon. Give me, give me an hour or so and some pizza. Anyway, so I stayed calm for that reason, but also I knew it's the hope that kills you. So I didn't get excited and it ended pretty much how I expected from the get go. And I made this uh, video and I put it out there. Now, here's the thing. If you subscribe to my rugby rant banter YouTube channel, you will see that it is not very popular. I have very few subscribers. I get very few views. It's pathetic, but check back in a year and we'll see where we're at. You know, that's the, that's my sort of philosophy with this. Um, and I share my YouTube videos everywhere. I put it on YouTube. <laughs> I share my YouTube video on YouTube. I share it on Instagram. I share it on Facebook. I share it on Twitter and I share it on TikTok. Now, TikTok is the platform that seems the least interested in rugby. Unless it seems you're South Africans. I don't know if South Africans are really into TikTok or if there's just so many South African, South African rugby fans that they're more likely to see it. But my TikTok video got thousands and thousands and thousands of views and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of likes and tons and tons and tons of comments. And it was mostly, well, it was all complimentary from South African fans. They loved me. They bloody loved me. And I just thought, you know, Partly because I was, it was me sucking off the Springboks team. Um, and uh, they love that. And you know what? I haven't gone on social media to see the reaction of the, of the, the, the Springbok fans because, and I, and, and I actually thought to myself, the first thought I have had with all these uh, South Africans loving the video was, I hope they don't listen to my podcast because I talk a lot of shit about them. But that's because the typical South African response to a win or a loss is, look at all these, I'm not, I've started to do a weird South African accent, I don't do that. In general, whether they win or lose, generally they complain about the referee and they say that there's some kind of bullshit anti-South African um, conspiracy in world rugby, right? And Razi Erasmus has literally gone on the record say he accuses refs of homophobia, all this shit. The, the, the fans tend to support him and it infuriates me. But I'll tell you this. The performance by England was so good that from what I saw, and please do not send me, do not send me any screenshots or links to South African Razi style fans talking a bunch of shit about the referee and the England players being dirty and blah, 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 blah. Because I'm sure it's out there. But from what I've seen, the general consensus around the world, including with the Springbok fans, is what a brilliant performance it was by England. 
a very, very narrow escape for South Africa. And that's good, isn't it? Anyway, that's it as far as that goes. Let's talk about the England. Uh, sorry, I'm all over the place, but this is, you know, I'm, a, I'm rattled right now. Um, I'm as rattled as the South Africans were for most of that match. Let's talk about the game itself. Let's talk about the good stuff, shall we? Um, God, it's like everything good seems to come with something a little bit bad as well. Um, I mean, the performance itself, you've, you, I've got nothing groundbreaking to share with you. England fronted up. They did absolutely everything right. Every tackle was full of venom. Every breakdown. England were all in. They were fired up. And they were playing the way that if they can keep putting performances in like this, and I don't know if that's possible, to be honest with you, but if they can if they can somehow play every match like that and keep improving, we're going to be a force again. We're going to be a real World Cup contender in four years. Um, and a big part of, um, of that contribution on the pitch was George Martin. Now, George Martin is a player that, one way or another, I haven't seen that much. I know he has a great reputation at Leicester, and I've seen him play a little bit, and he's looked all right, but... I honestly was a critic uh, of, I was very critical of Borthwick's decision to start George Martin ahead of Oli Chesham, a player that I thought was one of our players of the tournament. I thought he'd been playing really, really well. And I thought it would make much more sense to stick with um, Itoji and Chesham. But George Martin was unbelievable in this match. A huge part of of how we were able to compete so well for so long in this match. He's a goddamn machine. I'm a big George Martin fan now, just based off of that match. Um, I thought Joe Marler was brilliant from the get-go. Did exactly what he should have done. He was heavily involved. He hasn't had enough... Um, I don't think he's had enough uh, credit for, for his contribution to, the, to that performance. Uh, Dan Cole did, did, Dan Cole did what I want Dan Cole to do, which is not really be noticed. Just do his job. Uh, Marowatoji, best performance I've seen from him in years. He was incredible. Um, Courtney Laws, the same. Every match this World Cup, he seemed to step up a level. And he was amazing. Tom Curry. I, I wasn't that impressed with him against Fiji. Thought he was, um... And, and nobody, a lot of people were saying he was a huge liability and not really deserving of his place in the team. But he was incredible. Ben Earl continue, continued his great World Cup um, performances. Um, Alex Mitchell had his best game in an England shirt. Owen Farrell, what an inspired, brilliant, incredible, tenacious performance that was. Not 100% perfect, because at one point in the match... I almost wanted to, I almost leapt through the TV and kicked him in his fucking face when he was mouthing off at the referee and got sent back another 10 meters. Look, it doesn't matter whether he was right or wrong. That was a very, that was the dark side of Owen Farrell that we don't like, that makes me think maybe he shouldn't be the captain. But, but nevertheless, his net positive, what am I trying to, trying to say? His overall performance was absolutely positive and I don't think we could have pl played the way that we did and gotten as close to a win uh, as we did with anyone else at 10 um, he kind of proved me wrong a little bit let's talk about the back three 
Freddie Stewart was immense, immense under the high ball. Yes, he knocked on in a very unfortunate um, position in the game, both in terms of position, pitch position, territory, and time in the match. Kind of fucked us. But, you know, overall, his performance was incredible. And the, and the wingers, Elliot Daly and jo- Johnny May, have you ever... I don't, I'm not sure I've ever seen wingers that fired up and physical. Because Elliot Daly, let me check my notes, he smashed somebody at some point. Who was it? I feel like there was a point in the match where he destroyed a... Um, damn it. I'm absolutely sure he smashed a, a, a forward. Uh, anyway, he was great throughout. And then Johnny May absolutely annihilated Cheslin Colby and then stole the ball. Looked so pumped afterwards when he got the penalty. Um, I've been saying th- this all tournament. Johnny May has been quietly very effective. And he did exactly what you would want him to do in this match and exactly repaid Borthwick's faith in him. So many players repaid Steve Borthwick's faith in, in, in them, in this match. And I think, honestly, the biggest positive from this match is Borthwick himself. Now, it's just one match. It, it, it would be very, very silly of us to decide that based on one incredible performance, England have turned a corner and are a great team now. You know? But this this performance was designed by Borthwick. It was Borthwick-esque. It was everything that Borthwick likes done to perfection. And the players that he wanted justified their selection for that reason. And again, I don't, I don't want to say that everything's changed and now everything's going to be great, but it couldn't have been better, could it? A steady improvement throughout the World Cup, culminating in a damn near perfect performance that, you know, with a little bit of luck, England would have been in the England would have been in the fucking World Cup final against New Zealand. And then, Jesus Christ, do you think that the All Blacks could have handled that performance? I don't think so. I actually don't think so. Um, There's a good chance that if England made it to the final, we'd have been spanked by New Zealand. But nevertheless, we'll, we'll never know. But. Steve Borthwick deserves a huge amount of respect for this. Um, I was looking through the team. I mentioned some of the players who played really well. Um, Manu Tuolangi and Joe Marchant were kind of anonymous throughout this match, but that was the type of game we were playing. They did their their jobs, you know. Uh, Everybody played well, with the exception of one player, really. And I think this is a horrible thing to do, but I've done it multiple times. And... If I was going to question one aspect of Steve Borthwick's uh, coaching regime and his and his um, one aspect of his performance at this World Cup, it is this continued selection of Billy Vunapola. And, and and you know what? Like, I don't want to be mean, <laughs> and it's not Billy Vunapola's fault. If he's going to get selected, he's going to play, and he's like he's trying his best. But I've said it before. I've said it a hundred times. Hopefully I won't have to say it again because that will be the last performance by Billy Vunapola in an England shirt. He is a barely premiership level number eight now. And 
He comes on for England. The first thing he did, I think the first thing he did is he came on as a sub and dropped the ball. And then he came on as a sub again after going back off for a little bit. Comes on again, misses an easy tackle, South Africa, South Africa score. It's harsh to say this, but I would say that if Billy Vunapola had not been brought on in that match and it was still Tom Curry, England win that game. I think it was that, it's that big of a drop-off having him there. It's almost like worse than having nobody there. Because if we're down to 14, England play a different style. And I don't think that the, the, the maybe that is probably very, very harsh, but possibly true. And like I said, Billy Vinopola is, I actually think, when he was at his absolute peak, I think he was the best one of the best England players of all time. Probably the most devastating ball-carrying number eight England has ever had. So I hate talking shit about believing Apollo now because he was incredible, absolutely incredible, and we should remember him as that player. But he lost it a long time ago, a long time ago. He has not looked like an England player an international player in a long time. Uh, And again, I've said this before, but I will say it again. You could have replaced him with any premiership number eight and you wouldn't have lost anything. You would possibly got an improvement over his performances. But, but, you know, this kind of all rests on Steve Borthwick. And it's maybe, look, am I insane? Am I just wrong? Maybe I'm wrong because... I don't understand how Steve Borthwick and Eddie Jones before him could be this clueless where it seems so obvious to me, and I'm not the only one, that Billy Vunapola is not a good player anymore and does not deserve to be there. And it's like the same tired little catchphrases of, oh, he offers something different. He's got a bit of an X factor. He's... A really big ball carrier. He draws in tacklers. He doesn't. He, Billy Vunapola, at any point in any game now, he gets the ball, he gets tackled, usually on the game game line or behind it. And it's so obvious to me that it makes me question the 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 the, the faculties of of the coaches that continually select him he's not even the best number eight at saracens he's not he if i was picking a saracens team he's not even starting in that back row he's just a big lump but he's not effective there are tons of big lumps we don't need him um i just I don't know what's going on. Uh, that is my biggest criticism of Steve Borthwick to to put Billy Vanapola on the bench in a game of that magnitude. There's no fucking way Lewis Ludlam comes on and lets lets somebody get lets the uh, the I wish I could remember which South African player it was, but lets that player carry past him. There's no fucking way Lewis Ludlam comes on and negatively affects and hampers the England team the way that Billy Vunapola did. Unbelievable. But, you know, if you're going to say, I mean, Billy Vunapola, you know, um, that's one player that really let us down. But what about our front row? Like, Jamie George had his worst game in a while. 
I understand that it's a slippery ball, but you kind of it's kind of inexcusable to 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 well, it's a freak accident. We can probably let it slide that that one line out ball went flying forwards out of his hands. But collectively, that front row with <laughs> with Ellis Genge, who I love Ellis Genge. And I don't know what scrum shenanigans were going on, but generally does a decent job in the scrums. Not as good as Joe Marler, but he's a great impact uh, sub. Uh, Kyle Sinclair, you know, just just repeat what I've said about Billy Vunapola, not to a far lesser degree. Kyle Sinclair has had a drop-off in the same way Billy Vunapola does, has. Yet the difference between Sinclair and Billy is that you can I can forgive Steve Borthwick for picking him on the bench because we don't have a lot of options at tight head. We've got Dan Cole still still having to play there because we don't have the props. Why don't we? I don't know. I don't get it. Something's going on. But um I mean I've I've moaned enough about it, I think. Um our our, our front row let us down in the end. Billy Vonapola let us down. And the buck stops at Borthwick when it comes to that selection. I don't know. I'm looking forward to getting more into the premiership now. We can sort of relax. It's over. And I think you have to call this England World Cup a huge success, considering where we were at at the beginning. Nobody thought we could do what we did. We got to a semi-final. It doesn't matter how we got there. That performance against the Springboks, with a little bit of luck, with the refereeing decisions going differently, you know, and scrum penalties are fucking kind of a gamble. Um, had that gone our way, we're in a fucking World Cup final after one of the greatest wins ever over South Africa. So there you go. Anyway, I'm ending this podcast. I've had enough. I hope it was worth listening to. I hope you dared listen to it because it's not fun. It's not fun. Um, you know, digging through the, digging through the, the bones of that performance, dissecting it and looking at how England managed to, uh, I mean, we did manage to clutch defeat from the jaws of victory, didn't we? So it's sad, but anyway, whatever. Follow me on Instagram at Eddie Stevens Massive. Follow me on Twitter at, at uh, God Almighty, at Eddie Stevens with an extra S at the end. Follow me on TikTok. Why don't you? May as well join the South Africans at Eddie Stevens Zero. And please, for the love of fucking Christ, subscribe to my YouTube channel. Um, I will be back tomorrow for Premiership Pod. That'll be fun. Bye. Yo